good morning. Good morning. You with us? You awake? We do serve coffee if you need a little boost. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Will you stand and let's sing Amen. together?
Right on. Good. Thank you so much, worship team. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church. How's everyone doing? Man, it's so good to see you all here. Thank you so much for coming back to Kavanaugh Church this Sunday morning. You get, it, we could be anywhere else right now on the, on the, in the planet, but the best place to be is in the Lord's house on his day, celebrating Jesus, his son, and what he's done for us uh, with his people. Amen? Amen. Hey, the school year has started back. Has anyone felt the pressure yet? Is the schedule overloaded? Anybody? Yes, it's crazy. It's insane. And my kid is only in first grade. Okay, so the schedules are packed and, and, and things are getting overloaded. But right now, I know for a fact, watching online are some of our students. They're in Missouri, they're in Oklahoma, and some are even here in Arkansas. If you guys could give them a round of applause for watching this morning <laughs> services. We love you guys. We are praying for you because college is crazy, but God has you, and we are so proud of you and can't wait to see all that you do. And for all of our high school students and middle school students and elementary school and, you, and their families, we're excited for you guys this year, and I hope God has a really awesome impact in your, in your families and your schools. But God's going to have an awesome impact here this morning. We expect great things because we serve and, and expect things from an awesome, great God. So let's stand up together and ask for his anointing on our services today. And we're going to get right back into our worship time. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. And again, I'm so thankful that you, could, you, that you have brought us all back together today. Um, it's good to be here in this place with each other and to be able to, to, to lift up your name and to praise you. Uh, with so many others, God, it's great to gather around your feet and to hear your word preach, God. Lord, prepare our hearts and prepare our pastor's heart as well as he brings the word today. Give him the words to speak and let him speak boldly with all strength and all confidence, God. And Lord, prepare our hearts because we need it. We want to be your people. We want to be the people that you call us to be, God. And so, Lord, help prepare us so we can be a witness and a light to you in this world, God. We love you so much and bless our services this morning in your name. Amen. Let's praise.
excerpt from a book that I was reading this week about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, wind of God, blow far from us all dark despair, all deep distress, all groundless fears, all sinful desires. Blow far from us all Satan's snares, all false values, all selfish wishes, all wasteful worries. Holy Spirit, wind of God, blow into us your holy presence, your living love, your healing touch, your splendid courage. Blow into us your mighty strength, your perfect peace, your caring concern, your divine grace, and your boundless joy. Holy Spirit, wind of God, blow strong, blow fresh, blow now. Oh, my heart. 
power of your Holy Spirit. And that as the scripture is read and your word is proclaimed, that we can hear with joy what you have for us today. It is so good to be in your presence. Lord, we love you. We want to give you honor. We want to give you glory. We want to lift you up today. Yours is the only name we want to proclaim. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. We worship you today in this place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise team a big hand. They, they do an awesome job. Appreciate them. Thank you for being here. Everybody okay? I mean, are y'all good? Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, I hope you're doing great. Hey, uh, what a great day it is to be in the Lord's house. This is a special day. Last Sunday in the month of August, it is World Mission Offering Day for our Free Will Baptist denomination. Our International Missions Department is asking all Free Will Baptist churches to take up a special offering today to help reach the unreached people groups all around our world. There, there are so many places across the world that have not heard the good news of the gospel. And we want people to hear, all right? But it takes money to do that. And so the offering that is given today is going to go specifically to reach these unreached people groups. And a few years ago here at Kavanaugh Church, I was talking to the church board about world mission offering, and we just came up with the idea, well, let's just give our entire Sunday offering to world missions. And I can remember one of the guys on the board said, well, sounds great, but can, can we do that? <laughs> I mean, can we do that? I said, well, let's, let's put God to the test and see if he doesn't bless us. And you know what? God has blessed us every year since we've been giving this Give It All Sunday to World Mission. So when you leave today and put your offering in that black box, everything that you give that is undesignated money is going to go to World Missions. And I pray that you would give not only your regular gift, but give a little more today because people need to hear the good news of the gospel. All right? So that, that just fires you up, doesn't it? You're ready to just give and go. But I'm going to preach first, all right? Today I want to talk to you about staying positive in a negative world. We're living in a very pagan world. And our society is drifting further and further from its spiritual roots. On top of that, each one of us have our own difficulties in life. We woke up next to them. That's supposed to be funny, but it's not, all right? But we all have problems, wouldn't you agree? It's hard to live in a world like ours. I told the first service people, every day, 50% of the news that I receive in a given day is negative news. It's bad news. At least 50%. At least 50% of the people I come in contact with and, and uh, intermingle with and have relationships, 
are negative people because they're just having hard times in their life. So our topic today is pertinent. How can we stay positive in a negative world? And it's really based on one single word in the Bible. Now, it's not a usual thing for me to preach on just a single word. I like to preach on sentences or a text or a paragraph or even a chapter of the Bible. But today's message is based on one tiny little word that occurs over 4,000 times in your Bible. It's the word all, A-L-L. And it's really a very easy word to exegete. All means all, and that's all all means. But you know what? If we can understand the significance of this tiny little word in certain Bible promises, it's going to enable us to remain positive in a negative world. For example, this past week I came across a great little verse, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Now, it doesn't tell us to cast some of our cares on the Lord. Here's what it says. Casting all our cares on him, for he cares for us. Nothing is too small for the Lord to notice. Nothing is too big for him to handle. So we can cast all of our problems, all of our worries, all of our cares on God. Why? Because God cares for, get this, you. God cares for. For you. Now, that made me wonder if there were some other alls in the Bible that I had been missing. And that's when I looked up this little word in the concordance, and after I did that, I Googled it because there are so many different Bible translations. Uh, it might be translated differently in different translations. What I came up with on normal, this word appears 4,660 times in our Bible. And it shows up remarkably frequently in the promises that God has given us. You know about God's promises, don't you? Well, if you don't, let me just read this verse. I don't have it on the screen, but it's 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God. How many? All of them. For all the promises of God in Jesus are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God. All the promises of God. How many promises are there? There's a whole bunch of promises in the Word of God. God has given us great and precious promises. And those promises are given to enable us to handle the negatives living in a negative world. Over and over again, in our greatest and most precious promises, that little word, all, pops up, and it's all too often overlooked on our part. Now, obviously, we can't look at all 4,660 times that this word appears in the Bible, but I would like to show you just a handful of other passages in which this word brings an unusual blessing. And again, we're looking at the promises of God to help us stay positive in a negative world. One of the first passages I want to go to is the end of Psalms 23. Now you all know Psalms 23, probably the most famous psalm of all. In the authorized version, here's how it ends in verse number six. It says, why don't you read it out loud with me? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me the days of my life. 
How many days? All the days of my life. So if you live to be 80 years old, you will have amassed over 29,000 days on this earth. And how many of those days are filled with goodness and mercy? Every one of them. If Jesus Christ is your shepherd, really all of the blessings in this wonderful psalm come to those who have made the Lord their shepherd. Some of the old commentators used to say that goodness and mercy were God's sheepdogs. That's one pretty good way to look at it. Spurgeon, the great preacher, called them twin guardian angels who are always at our back and at our beck. They follow behind us, guarding us, making sure that every day has its share of good blessings from God and rich mercies that come from the throne of his grace. And notice that word surely in this verse. This is a promise with two modifiers, surely, goodness, and mercy. The word surely means certainly, that it's guaranteed, it's for sure. It is ordained by the God whose word will never be broken. Surely, you can count on this. What can we count on? That goodness and mercy are going to follow us every single day of our life. No days are exempt. Goodness and mercy are at your back and your back every single day. Now, I know you're saying to me, well, what about, what about when this happened on this day? I sure didn't see any goodness and mercy in that. Well, you know what? Sometimes you have to look. Sometimes you got to get rid of all the debris around you and really focus and look. But even in the midst of bad things that happen to all of us, God shows up with his goodness and mercy. I guarantee you it's always there. You may have to look for it, but it's always there. Catherine Marshall wrote a great little book entitled To Live Again. Her husband was the Scottish preacher, Peter Marshall. He became the much-esteemed chaplain of the United States Senate. He was young and good-looking and very eloquent, but on a cold Washington morning in January of 1949, he was having chest pains when he woke up. And he told Catherine about it. He said, my, my chest feels like an elephant is sitting on it. I, I think I'm going to stop by the hospital on my way in to work. She wanted to go with him, but there was no one to watch their little son, Peter John, who was getting ready for school. So she said, I'm going to get our boy ready for school, and I'll meet you at the hospital. So he left, and just a little bit later, she got that unbelievable phone call that told her that her husband was dead. He had walked in through the doors of the hospital and just fell over with a massive heart attack, and he was gone. Later that morning, Catherine went to the hospital in a state of shock. She saw her husband's body in this room, heard the door click behind her when she left, but here's what she said. Despite the pain, the anger, and the confusion, there was this deep abiding faith that goodness and mercy would surely follow me every day of my life. So can I remind you, church, no, no days are exempt. If we only look for them all the days of our lives, we will see the goodness and the mercies of God who invites us to cast all of our cares on him. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. 
So when that bad thing happens, just hang on, hang in there, keep looking, keep searching. Goodness and mercy are sure to follow. Why? Because it's a promise of God. You know what? That keeps me positive in a negative world because I can tell you, bad things happen every day. And if we will allow those bad things to overwhelm us, they certainly will. So how can I remain positive when negative bad things occur in my life? I just kind of get rid of all the junk that's around me and boop, right there it is. Here's some goodness coming from God. Maybe from an unexpected source, but goodness is coming. And right around the corner, boy, there's a big old dose of mercy. Amen? Uh, Now let me show you another of the Bible's great passages with this little word all in it. 1 John 1, 7. I love 1 John chapter 1. Look at verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He repeats this in verse 9, which is probably my favorite verse in the entire Bible. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a story that Martin Luther tells. One night he was just over, overcome, overwhelmed with all of the sin he had committed in his life. I wonder, does sin ever keep us up at night? Well, it kept Martin Luther up. Finally, he drifted off to sleep, and he had this incredible dream that he wrote about. In his dream, he saw this massive blackboard. It was probably about as big as our screen. Isn't that a great screen? That's, that's an awesome screen to look at. So thankful. That, that blackboard was about as big as this screen, and there was an angel with a piece of chalk in their hand and they wrote on the top of the board Martin Luther his name and then they started filling that blackboard with all of the sin that Martin Luther had ever committed in his entire life from the time he was a little kid and started lying or cheating up until the present day every sin he had thought every sin that he had spoken every sin that he had committed they were all on that blackboard Now, I know what you're thinking. For some of the people in our room, it would take two of those boards. <laughs> Martin Luther was overwhelmed by his own guilt because he knew those were correct. He knew he had committed, he remembered every one of them. But then he said in his amazement, he saw this hand come down. It was a pierced hand. And it wrote these words, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all of our sins. And all of a sudden, blood started pouring out of that pierce in that hand, and the blood went over the chalkboard, and it erased every one of those sins. Amen. Do you feel that God cannot forgive you of that one particular sin that you wish you could go back and undo? Because we all have at least one of those, don't we? If I could just go back in time and undo that one sin, but you know what? It was such a sin. It was so big. 
It had such a significant impact on my life in a negative way. There's no way God could ever forget that sin. Or maybe you feel like God can forgive some of your sins, but not all of your sins. Well, friends, I got good news for you today. He can. He has the ability to do that. He can cleanse you from all of your sins. And the way it happens is just like Martin Luther saw. It's through his own blood. His blood, precious blood, undefiled blood. His blood can wash away every sin you've ever committed. What good news. Man, you talk about staying positive in a negative world. The devil reminds me almost every day of my blunders, of my mistakes, of my sins. But you know what I say back to the devil? Get out of here, devil. You don't own me. Jesus' blood has forgiven me of that. And whatever Jesus forgives, Jesus forgets. He carries it to the sea of no return. He doesn't hold it against you any longer. It's not held against your account. So I want you to understand this and get this. That thing you came in here today with, that guilt that you're bearing, that guilt that burdens you down, did you realize that today you can come to an altar just like this one, lay it out before the Lord and say, Jesus, forgive me of that sin. Cleanse me by your blood. And if you truly repent, he is going to forgive that sin and forget it, not hold it against your account any longer. And you can walk out these doors today with that load of guilt gone. Wow. Talk about staying positive in the negative world. That will do it for you. Or what about this one? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Here God promises that if we will allow him to sit enthroned on the center of our lives, he will meet all of our needs. Now, this includes physical and financial needs because that's the context of what he's talking about. But it also includes our social our emotional, and our relational needs. All these things. If you put me first, Jesus says, in your life, I'm going to take care of everything else. Reminded me of the story of Richard Green, a young college student, worried about how he was going to make ends meet. He, he, he it was only halfway through the month. And he, he didn't have any money left. This was before the days of computers, so he was he was calculating with, a, with an old-fashioned calculator and writing on his checkbook his balance. And when he came to the end, the number of, of balance in his checkbook on the calculator was 6.33. He had $6.33 in his account. 6.33. And at first he says, oh, man, there's no way. I'm, there's 14 more days left in this month. I can't live on 633. What am I going to do? And he started brooding and worrying about it. But he kept looking at that number, 633. What, what, what was it about 633 that captured his attention? He knew that number meant something. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on him, 633, Jesus' words, Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, what you're worrying about right now, I'll take care of. Wow. 
He said, that day I learned a lesson that I never forgot in my entire life, and I just laid that checkbook before the Lord and said, Lord, you are first place in my life. All I want to do is live for you and please you. So, Lord, now it's your problem to take care of me. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. What do you need most right now in your life? What do you need most? Take, take a moment and think about that. You, you can even close your eyes just for a second. Don't keep them closed because I, I know the devastating effects that's going to have. What do you need most right now? If, if Jesus came into this room in physical form and sat down right beside you in the chair next to you and asked you, tell me, what do you need most in your life right now? What is it that you need that you, that you can't get anywhere else that only I can give you? What is it you need right now? What would you say to him? Chances are most of you would know. You knew immediately when I asked you. You you know what you would tell him. You know how you would reply because you know what you need more than anything else right now. But you know what? No matter what it is that you need that you would tell Jesus, I think I know what Jesus would say back to you. I think he would say back to you, then here's what you need to do, friend. You need to seek the kingdom of God first in your life. You need to put me first. You need to get all those idols and everything else that you've been worshiping out of your life. I need to be number one in your heart. Over your spouse, over your kids, over your family, over your job, over your stuff, over your money. I've got to reign in your heart. You put me first place in your life. You seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You put me number one and you live a holy life that the Bible tells you to live. You become all in for me and with me. And I promise you, I'll take care of you. And that thing that you need the most, I will provide it in my way and in my timing. I'll take care of you. Wow. Talking about staying positive in the negative world, I got Jesus on my side. That brings me to Matthew chapter 19, another passage with a great promise. Look look at our Lord's words beginning in verse 23. Assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, when his disciples heard that, they were just a a little bit confused and greatly astonished. And they said to them, well, then, Lord, who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So in the context, Jesus is talking about salvation. Who can be saved? And he's not just picking on rich people, but but it's just a prime illustration. Rich people very seldom humble themselves and ask God to come into their life and become number one. Why? Because money's number one. Mammon has become number one. And we're trusting in money, substance, stuff, things to make us happy and to save us. But they can't. That's impossible. Money can't save you. Another person can't save you. So if that's what you're looking for, for ultimate salvation and satisfaction, it's impossible. On the other hand, God can do the impossible. 
As I read this passage, it reminded me of a conversation the prophet Jeremiah had with God back in his book, Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah was greatly disturbed about something. He, he was greatly anguished over something. So he did what all of us should do. He took it to the Lord in prayer. And this is how Jeremiah began his prayer. Oh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Now, what an affirmation. God, nothing's too hard for you. You've made everything. You control everything. Nothing is too hard for you. Then Jeremiah went on to pray, and he became a little bit like us. He started complaining at our Lord's lack of responsiveness. Then later on in the chapter, the Lord responds to Jeremiah and says to him, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? That was the question God asked Jeremiah. Jeremiah, is there anything too hard for me? He was reminding Jeremiah of the implications of God's omnipotence. Let me put it in West Texas lingo. Ain't nothing too hard for God. Nothing in your life is too hard for the Lord to do if it's God's will to do it. He can do all things. With men, it is impossible, but not with God. God can do anything. <laughs> Woo, man. And again, you want to talk about staying pumped up and positive in a negative world. God can do anything. And I know you. Do we have any Nancys out there? I don't mean this to you, Nancy, but we got some negative Nancys. Or Jasons or Wills or Preacher, you, you don't know my circumstance. You don't know my There's no way. There is no way this relationship can get any better. There's no way I can make it out of this mess. Well, you know what? If it's on you, you're right. It's impossible. But God does the impossible. God can do anything. So let me stay positive in a negative world because my God can. How about an amen? And that brings me to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, one of the best loved verses in the entire Bible. Here, here it is on the screen. Sherry, just keep that up there so y'all can keep looking at it. I'll get to it in a moment. But Romans chapter 8 tells us about the role of the Holy Spirit in our Christian growth. The Holy Spirit takes the work of Jesus and applies it to our life. The Holy Spirit takes the character of Jesus and reproduces it in our lives and hearts. He will take the resurrection of Jesus and reenact it in our bodies when Jesus comes in all of his glory. And a couple of verses up in verse 26, Paul says this. Now in the same way the Holy Spirit helps us with our weaknesses. Now what kind of weaknesses is he talking about? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm weak in many ways. Okay? And we all are. But in this passage, the Apostle Paul is very specific about a particular weakness he is addressing. It's in our prayer lives. 
We are weak when it comes to prayer. In what ways are we weak in our prayer lives? Well, again, we are weak in many ways in our prayer life, but again, Paul has something specific in mind. We are weak, he says, in this. Many times we really don't know what we should specifically pray for. Here's how he says it in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for. And why is it we don't know what we ought to pray for? Well, it's because we're not omniscient. We don't know everything. Nor can we see into the future. So we don't know whether the things we're asking for will turn out for our good or for our bad. Why? Because we can't see the future. Does that make sense? And, and that's why sometimes you pray for something, you pray for something, and it never happens. Well, you know what? It's because that, that's not the best thing for you. And you don't need that. God's got something better for you. I couldn't understand it. Lord, I, but I love her, and I want, I want her to be my wife. And Lord, she's the one. And God said, No. Your, your heart's going to get broken. You're going to learn a few lessons, but I got something better for you. Amen. This little girl from Corning, Arkansas. You with me? That's why James tells us to pray, if it be thy will. For God does know our future. How does God know our future? Because he's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. God knows the end from the beginning. He knows how all things are going to turn out. And so verse 26 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us. That means the Holy Spirit is praying for us on our behalf. He's making prayer requests to the throne of God for us. And how does he do it? Well, he does it intensely. The verse goes on to say, with groanings which cannot even be uttered. That is, the Holy Spirit is groaning for us in the presence of God. We don't know how we ought to pray. We're, just, we're praying to the best of our ability. But the Holy Spirit sees our heart, and he's praying this prayer to God on our behalf. And you know what? God answers that prayer. God the Father always answers the prayer of God the Holy Spirit. And so as we're praying, the Holy Spirit is taking what we're praying. He sees our heart. He knows what's best for us. And he's interpreting that to God. He's groaning that in the presence of God. He's praying the right prayer we ought to be praying because he sees our hearts. Wow. And what's the result of that? Well, it gets us to Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So do you see how it fits? As the Holy Spirit prays for us, God answers his prayers, and therefore all the things that happen to us turn out for good in the unfolding providence of God Almighty. And for that I can say amen. Now, when I was a little kid, I had this woman right over here looking out for me, and when he wasn't working, he was looking out for me. They were my protectors. 
If it was cold outside and it was in the wintertime, my mama would put a blanket over my head so I wouldn't catch cold. They protected me. They watched over me. They fed me. They provided for me. They did the best they could do, but they were not perfect in what they did. Thus, I turned out the way I turned out. Whether that's good or bad, you, you decide. But you know what? Now I've got somebody taking care of me that knows exactly what I need all the time. And he's going to provide it in his way, the best way. And all things are going to turn out for good. All things are going to turn out for good. Even if I can't see it right now, you know what? I know it's going to turn out for good. Because he tells me so. And the greatest fear we have is death. But you know what? That ain't too bad for a believer. All things work for good. Now, while we're in Romans chapter 8, let me just skip down to 837. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not just in some things, but in all things, we win. Now, I took too, Jason, I took too long in the first service talking about winners. But you know what? I think deep down inside, all of us want to win. I mean, if you're, if you're competing, you're doing something, I don't care what it's in, you know, you want to be a Christian about it, right? But we still want to win. Ron, remember when we played flag football, church flag football? That was one of the biggest mistakes I think that I, I made as a pastor. I thought it'd be fun for us playing flag football, but there were so many people that got hurt out there playing flag football and broke bones and, and bad attitudes, and then I had to write all these rules about how we're going to be nice to each other and not get mad. But here's the problem. We all wanted to win. Are you with me? I mean, forget, for, forget those, can I say this? Forget those participation trophy things. That's, that's a, you know, you win or you lose. You come in second place in my family, you're first loser. Now, I'm gonna, Fred, I'm going to be nice about it because I'm a Christian man, and I want you to do the best you can do, and I'm going to do the best I can, but I still want to beat you. I want Cowpoke, you know what I'm talking about. This, this Saturday, I go to the Arkansas State Championship of Cowboy Action Shooting in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Let me tell you, I'm going down there to win. Not just my division. I'm going to, I want to try to go down there and do what Cowpoke did a few years ago, win the whole thing, be the number one shooter in the state of Arkansas. Can I do it? Well, thank you. <laughs> There's a couple other cowboys that are going to have to have a bad stage or two, but I'm not going to pray for that. I'm going to pray that we all do our best, but I want to come back as a winner. Why? Because I like to win. I think God put that inside of us to do our best. And here's, here's, here's what I'm getting to. You know what? In Jesus, I win. When it's all said and done, if you are in Christ, if you are a part of his body, if you belong to him, we are more than conquerors. We win. Now, I could go on and on and on, but I'm going to close this morning by reading 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Check this verse out. And God is able to make, you say the word, grace abound toward you, that you always having 
sufficiency in things may have an abundance for every good work. Wow, what an amazing verse. I recently read the story of Amy Carmichael, famous missionary to India. Amy had gone to hear a great and famous old preacher, but her, to her disappointment, when she got there, the, the auditorium was packed. She had to sit in the balcony on the back wall. And this was back in the days before amplification, and the preacher she went to hear was an old man. And he could just barely, he could just barely talk. He, he didn't have enough air inside of him to speak loudly. You know what Amy heard? She was in the balcony, back wall. You know what she heard? Nothing. She could, she could faintly see his lips moving, but she, she couldn't hear a word he said, except one word. He read as his passage, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and as he read the passage, he emphasized one word, and he mustered up enough energy to really speak this word loud. What word was it? All. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Later she testified that the word all was all she had gotten out of that sermon, but it was all she needed. <laughs> and that really is the point of my message today. Jesus is all you need. He is our all-sufficient Savior. He is all we need. Jesus is our all in all. We can cast all of our burdens on him. His goodness and his mercy will follow us all the days of our life. He cleanses us from all of our sins. If we seek him first, he adds to us all we will ever need. He meets all of our needs and he can do all things. He makes all things work together for good in our lives. And he is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency may abound in every good work. He's all you need. So very simply, here's my invitation for you this morning. Why don't you bring all you have to him? So get out your dustpan, your little broom, and sweep together all the stuff that's wrong in your life. All the things that would cause you to be negative. All the things you've been complaining about. All the things that you need. All the deficiencies in your life. All the sins that you have committed. All the negative. Just bundle it all together and bring it all to Jesus. Because he can handle it. And you can leave it with him. He can cleanse your life. He can lighten the load. And you can walk out of here a different person than when you came in. So bring all you have to Jesus. Because Jesus is all you need. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would imprint that on our hearts and minds this morning. That you're all we need. 
Dear Lord, I know that this world is a negative place to live. We, we deal with negative people and negative circumstances every single day. And it, it's hard to keep our nose above the water because this is a negative world. But we can when we think about you. So, Lord, help us to stay positive today in a negative world as we claim all the promises of God in Jesus Christ for our own lives. Lord, for that person who needs to come and be saved, I pray that by faith they would come today and claim the blood of Jesus in their life. Lord, for all of us, may we gather all the problems we have and bring them to you because you care for us. Lord, for those who just need to come and spend a little bit of time here at the altar talking to their loving Heavenly Father, may we spend time this morning doing that. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us your all. And I, I pray, dear Lord, that in turn this morning, we would give all we have back to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed as the praise team sings, come give everything to Jesus. Would you come? Nothing is too small or too big for God. Come to Him now.
Holy Spirit, thank you for being in this room today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking the Word of God and the truth of God into our hearts. And I pray, dear Lord, that we would take what we've heard today and what we've seen in the Word of God, all of these promises of God, and apply them to our everyday life. Help us to take the truth that we've learned and flesh it out in the world this week. Help us, dear Lord, to remain positive in a negative world. And dear Lord, may we convey this positivity and this truth to everyone we come in contact with. For those who prayed at the altar and those who prayed there in their chairs for specific needs in their life, I pray that you would meet those needs as only you can. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated just for a moment. Thank you for being here today. What a, what a great day. What a great day in God's house. And uh, I want you to take all the things that you've heard and apply them to your everyday life. Remember, when you walk out today, put your offering in one of those black boxes. The whole offering goes to world missions. I can't overemphasize that enough. Uh, now, I always encourage you and challenge you by what I do. Uh, what I did was take my regular offering and added to it because I really want to give to world missions and I encourage you to do the same thing. Tonight at 6.30 you can tune in on Facebook Live. Kurt Dieter is going to teach our Bible lesson and 7 o'clock on Wednesday we have cool things happening for every age group. Johnny has fun things happening for the children as they learn about the Lord. Uh, our teenagers meet, our college age students meet and then the best adults in the world come in here, and I have found a super speaker for this Wednesday night, our very own Brother Devin. So, man, you're going to love it. I've already talked to Catherine. She's writing him an excellent message, and Brother Devin's going to do a great job with that. The last Sunday, I want to talk about it, but uh, Brother Nathan is getting rid of all the pews in the old sanctuary. And for a $25 donation, you can have one of those pews to do whatever you want to with, but we need them moved soon, and if you haven't got a pew, what a historic thing to get. You spent half your life sleeping in that pew, so just go ahead and, and pick one up and take that. Last time I'm going to talk about it, all right? Now, here's September's here. Can you believe September's already here? we got a lot of cool things happening in September, the big thing being uh, we're going to start our small groups up. Uh, we're revamping Bible study that we used to do on Sunday nights, and we're going to a small group setting. We're calling them C groups. Say, so, well, what does C stand for? It's Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh groups, C groups, all right? So we've asked several people to host a C group, and on the 11th and 18th, those are both Sundays, uh, these people who are hosting the groups are going to be out in the lobby. They're going to have a... a, a posting or a paper of who they are, when they're going to meet, because they can meet any time during the week that is convenient for you, and the place they're going to meet, whether it be in their home, up here at the church, or at an off-site location. So you make sure you're here on the 11th and 18th. Go through this C-group fair 
find you a good C group that you want to be a part of. And then on the last Sunday, which is the 25th, C groups begin for this fall semester, and they're going to go through the middle of November. Now, I know that's a lot to take in. You'll be hearing much more about it as time goes on, but be praying for C groups. Here's what we want, everybody in a small group. So if you come here on Sunday mornings, we want you to get involved in a small group, and you get to choose which group you want to be a part of. But we also want these groups to be used to reach unsaved and unchurched neighbors and friends and coworkers. So be praying about that. Also, on the 18th, we're going to have a big day. It's a back-to-church day. Uh, We're going to have baptisms that Sunday morning, so if you need to be baptized, see one of the staff members. Then on that Sunday night, we're going to come back up to the church and have fun things for everybody to do. And then on the 25th, C groups begin. Thank you for for thinking that C group. Y'all excited about that? I tell you, I am. It's going to meet a lot of needs. fellowship needs, Bible study needs, be praying about C groups. Here's what I want you to know. God knows everything about you, the good, the bad, the ugly. He knows it all, and he still loves you. He loves you. I love you, but God loves you more. Have a great day. Get out of here.